Well, good evening. Uh, my name is Jacob Smith, and I am our college teaching director here at Anderson. I'm really excited to be with you guys uh, here in the Advent season. Uh, if you've been coming over the last few weeks, you know that the Advent season has been given to us. We observe it and we celebrate it because we are reminded that God is with us. We're reminded that we're not alone in this world. We're reminded that Jesus Christ came and that he's promised to come again. We celebrate Advent because not only is it the most important thing that's ever happened, it's pointing us towards the most important thing that ever will happen. That this world will be done away with. That there will be a new life and a new existence beyond this broken, horrible place. Advent is a time that's meant to be hopeful and expectant. A time that's supposed to be joyful And it's a joy and it's a hope and it's an expectation that we're not placing in the distractions of this world, but in in the deliverance from sin that's been provided to us by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Advent season is given to us so that we might reflect on the birth of Jesus Christ, so that we might remember what he's done. And my question for us this evening is as we reflect, as we remember, how do we respond? What do we do? in light of what Christ has done. How should we respond to a baby announcement? Okay, are y'all ready? Are you ready? No, there won't be any tears, okay? Oh, yeah. You're going to have a... Baby. Sister. Yes! 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 Oh, Jackson! (laughs) Thank you, Lord! Thank you. 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 Thank We generally recognize that there are correct and incorrect responses uh, to good news, right? Many times maybe we've had these moments, many times we've had other wonderful moments that are maybe marred because some people don't always have the right reaction or the reaction that we're looking for. And the reality is that we as believers, we as Christians, we as people who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, we often don't react to Christmas well. We don't always respond correctly. In the Christmas season, many times we are reminded of of details and of responsibilities and of finances and of people that we generally don't see, but now we have to. And many times when we're reminded of those things, we'll respond with distraction or frustration or, or worry. Some of us are even reminded in this season of deep loss. And the holidays do that. And while, as Brian shared, I mean, we are allowed to mourn. We're called to mourn with those who mourn. We're called to feel the, the burden of sin and death. Many times we respond incorrectly with anger or with guilt and shame. Many times in the Christmas season, we're not necessarily responding correctly. And yet all of us are reminded of Jesus Christ. All of us should be reminded of Jesus Christ coming to earth to save us 
from sin and from death, to save us from this brokenness. So how should we respond to that incredible truth? How do we respond to the incredible truth that God came near to be with us and to save us? How do we respond to that action that God would know us deeply and intimately through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. How do we respond to that? I mean, this evening we're looking at Luke chapter 2. And just as the the readers uh, read for us earlier in the service, we're going to see the response of some of the first people to ever hear the good news of Jesus Christ. The response shown to us by some simple shepherds. And when we look in Luke 2, when we see the way that these people responded, what we'll see is that they are responding to the gospel with a movement, that they're responding with a message, that they respond with wonder, and they respond with worship. And that's the correct response. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 as was a little bit before where the reading picked up earlier, but we see that there were shepherds living out in the field, keeping guard over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were absolutely terrified. Understandable. They're hanging out with sheep. Very simple. You know what you're expecting. You know what you're getting. And then all of a sudden in the sky, the hosts of heaven appear and they're terrified And the angels begin speaking. And one angel told them, do not be afraid. Why? Because they're terrified. So he's like, hey, relax, chill, and listen carefully. For I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all people. Today your Savior is born in the city of David, and he is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. He says you will find a baby, and he's going to be wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly a vast heavenly army appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. All of a sudden these shepherds, who are just hanging out. Same old, same old. Watching over their sheep, making their sheep aren't walking off cliffs or getting eaten by wolves or big ants. Like they're, they're, we're watching over their flock. And all of a sudden, angels appear to them and they give them the greatest news that they'll ever hear. That the Savior has come. That the Messiah was in their midst. And this is something that they've been waiting for. This is something that they've been expecting. They've been waiting for God to send a savior. And it's so incredible that the Lord would tell it first. He would tell this good news first to some shepherds. Because they're just ordinary people. Right? You might remember from last week as Brian was speaking about how our Lord, man, he loves to work extraordinary things in very ordinary places. Our God loves to use very ordinary people for extraordinary purposes. And this is just another illustration of that. Where God's appearing to just the everyman. Joe Shepherd. 
and he's speaking the incredible news that his son Jesus Christ had come to earth. Not only is it important because he's speaking to the common people, but it's incredible because he's continuing this theme of shepherds, right? When we look throughout scripture, we see that God refers to himself as the good shepherd. In fact, Jesus Christ himself in his ministry in John chapter 10 told the people, told his followers, I am the good shepherd. It says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You see, God was using this illustration not just to inflate his, his own presence, not for us to better understand how great he is, but it also helps us understand who we are. Because if Jesus Christ is our shepherd, that means that we are sheep. And sheep, man, they, they are in a rough patch. Like they have no defenses. They're one of the only animals that has no natural defense mechanism. They just danger approaches. They're like, mm, uh, bah, <laughs> like that's it. I'm done. They lack direction. They'll never find their way home. They have to have shepherds that are constantly guiding them, protecting them. Right? We're supposed to understand that we are just like these sheep. We are defenseless. We lack direction. We look like this. That's us. Minus the cowboy hat. Maybe with the cowboy hat. I don't know. That'd be cool. But we... Are defenseless, man. We're directionless. We have needs. And Jesus Christ says, I'm here to meet those needs. I'm here to give you direction. I'm here to give you strength. I'm here to guide you in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this uncertainty. God's looking at these shepherds and he says, hey, the ultimate shepherd, the ultimate savior, he's here. This is our gospel. As Brian shared, That Jesus Christ would step out of heaven and onto earth to live the perfect life that we could not live so that he might die the death that we deserved. So that when he rose from that grave three days later, he purchased for us eternal life. He guaranteed for us salvation, freedom from sin, freedom from death. If we just trust in him, if we call on his name, if we say, God, I believe that you sent Jesus Christ to die for me. God, I believe that he is the only hope that I have in this world. If we believe those things, then God says, you're mine. And he adopts us out of sin and death. And he adopts us into his family. We become sons and daughters of the Lord most high. This is our gospel. This is our good news. This is the first inkling of it. Just just a fragment of it was going to these shepherds. And the response is incredible. The first thing they do is they move. Man, they get moving. Verse 15, when the angels left them and they went back to heaven, the shepherds, they said to another, "Uh, we got to go. Let us go over to Bethlehem. See this thing that's taken place that the Lord has made known to us. And so they hurried off and they located Mary and Joseph and they found the baby lying in a manger. They hear this incredible news and they say, we need to move. The first aspect of the response is movement. The gospel changes their priorities, right? The gospel moves them literally with their steps. And and they weren't going to Bethlehem. They weren't finding this baby because they were trying to verify the message or or authenticate the words that they had heard. They weren't double-checking, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. They were going to witness history. 
What they knew was going to be a miraculous, incredible moment that God would come, that his Savior would come in the form of a baby. That's incredible. That's a twist. That's a plot twist for them. They're like, what? Wow. Amazing. You see, whenever we know there's something incredible in front of us, man, that should change the way that we're moving. That should change the way that we're acting. In the summer of 2012, College Station was a buzz because we knew that the city government had decided to destroy the Plaza Hotel. University Tower, as it was also known, was right there on the intersection of Texas and University. And some of us, those of us that have lived a little bit more life, we were there, right? We remember those days, 2012. And we remember when everyone was so excited. I mean, I was excited. My wife and I, we were pumped. And so on a Thursday morning, we woke up at 5.30 a.m. And we said, we're going to go and we're going to see the history made. And so we got in our car, we drove out, and we came upon just this almost post-apocalyptic scene where there were literally just cars just abandoned all over the place because parking lots were full. People were just parking on streets, on Texas and university. They're just parking all these side roads. And as we're getting out of our car, we're, we're seeing other people that are just sort of wandering. They've got like equipment and like children and livestock and they're just kind of moving slowly to the intersection of Texas and university because they're gathering and they were coming and there was, a, there was a fence you couldn't go across, but these people formed this giant circle, this perimeter around this university tower. And sure enough, on that Thursday morning, like 6.30 a.m., we were able to witness this. My heart just fluttered seeing it again. It was incredible. Literally thousands of people from our community, from neighboring communities, came to watch this occur. It was incredible. It was amazing. As evidenced by the soundtrack, that was just playing. We don't know where it came from. <laughs> from the heavens. It was just playing. It was, inc- it was amazing. And we saw the tower fall. And all these people, they got up early and they went to an inconvenient place and they parked far away. Why? Because they wanted to see something incredible. Because they knew history was being made. And when these shepherds heard that the Savior had arrived in their world to deliver them from from suffering and from death, man, they moved. When we hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it should move us. It should change our priorities. The shepherds, they left their sheep. They closed up the pen. They shut down for the night. They said, we got to go. Other things in our lives, while they are important, while they need to be taken care of, man, other things in our lives, they should pale in comparison to the gospel. That's our guiding light. That's our lifeline. And it should move us, especially in this season. And yet so often we find ourselves in Christmas moved by other things. So my question for us this evening is, what is moving you? What is your top priority. What are you moving towards? Is it 
to that sweet week of vacation? Is it to, to the, those gifts that you're excited to give or receives it towards activities or plans? I mean, or are you moving towards the Lord? I would encourage you to take some time during this season, during these days leading to Christmas, to just draw closer to God. I mean, we're not always sure of what that might look like. And I'll tell you, one really great resource that you could use right now uh, is, is a book. But then it, it's called The Dawning of, uh, in, sorry, The Dawning of Indestructible Joy by John Piper. And you can buy it. You can download it for free. But all it is is it's a simple reading plan as you're approaching Christmas. In the Advent season, it's 25 days uh, of biblical readings with some kind of thought-provoking questions added to it. Like I said, you can buy it for cheap. You can download it for free. But it can be an incredible resource, just an opportunity. And there's other ones out there. But find an opportunity to draw closer to the Lord on your own or or with your family, with your spouse, with your friends and your roommates. I mean, take advantage of the season to draw closer, to move towards the Lord. And as we're moving, as the shepherds moved, what we see is that they weren't just moving on their own, but they were beginning to share a message. Right in verse 17, right off the bat, when they saw Jesus Christ, they made known what they had been told about this child. Right immediately, the shepherds began to share the message, the good news of Jesus Christ. They began telling other people about what they had heard. The gospel changed their conversations. I mean, the reality is that sharing the gospel, it it should just be an overflow of our personal excitement. That's what it was for the shepherds. It's what it should be for us. My wife and I, we have a a daughter. Her name is Charlotte. She's wonderful. She's almost two years old. uh, And she is uh, seen here uh, preparing for Christmas. Uh, That is a very fake smile. Do not be lured in. She's learning manipulation, even as a two-year-old. It's incredible. Sin is here. Uh, But we... We have gotten to hear her become more and more vocal over the past few months, right? As she's getting older, she's learning to kind of express herself and talk about things. And one of the things that I hear most days of my life now are, Mama, bubbles! And what that is, uh, is that Susan? No, that's not That's Charlotte. And she's yelling out and she's excited about bubbles. Uh, she finds them everywhere. It's incredible. I had no idea that bubbles were so prevalent. Uh, in our world, uh, but she'll see them in her milk. She'll see them in the bath. She sees them when we pull out bubbles. That one's on me. But she will see bubbles, and every time, without fail, she will want to tell my wife, Susan, her mom, she will say, my mom, because that's some, I don't know why, but she says, my mom, bubbles. And she talks to her about bubbles. I will also hear a lot of times, my mom, chair, because she sees chairs. Uh, They're exciting, apparently. Uh, Either one of us, either one of us could be putting shoes on her feet. As soon as she's got those shoes on her feet, my mom, shoes. And she's just so excited. Shoes, my mom. And Susan has to acknowledge this. Yes, shoes. Awesome. Like, cool. And she's just so pumped to share this news with us. She's just so excited to bring us into her little world uh, where man, bubbles are just the end-all be-all. I, I kind of get it now. I don't know if I've just been around it for too long, but I get it. Bubbles are amazing. 
And as we're sharing the gospel, it should just be an outflow of what we're already personally excited about. It shouldn't be a chore. It shouldn't be some sort of responsibility. It shouldn't be some checkbox that we're trying to, to meet. We should be excited. The shepherds heard this good news. And so when they started running into people, they were like, hey, oh my gosh, I, I got to tell you about this thing. And yet so often when we're moving throughout the season, so often when we're moving towards Christmas, our, our messages are, are diverse. And they're not always super helpful. They're not always super glorifying to the Lord. So my question for us is, what message are we sharing? What kind of stories are we telling as people are asking us about the season, about our plans? What kind of questions are we asking? Are we just sticking to surface level things? Or are we taking advantage of the fact that America is stopping to to look at Jesus' birthday? And are we moving into that? with good questions, with deeper questions, with asking people their their thoughts on on the holidays, on maybe their involvement within the church. What sort of message are we proclaiming? What sort of message are we offering to the people around us? And I would encourage you, I mean, maybe you think, well, I I don't really have, you know, some sort of, I've been talking with these people a long time, and I'm not really sure how to work into conversation. And and I would say, well, that's why we as a body exist. We want to help each other in this. That's why Zach announced we have a thing called Walk Through Bethlehem, which is going to be amazing. And it's so incredible, not just because you get to take your kids to see the story of Christmas, but because you can take your friends and your coworkers. And your family members, you can take other people, you can take your neighbors to come and walk through Bethlehem, to walk through the story of Christmas, the true story of Christmas. Ask people to join you in that. We have a Christmas Eve service here at Anderson so that you can be bringing people with you. You can invite the people that you know aren't leaving or they've had a family issue and they're going to be alone. Invite them to come with you to be a part of what we're doing. Because the gospel needs to go forth. The message needs to be proclaimed. We see that response from the shepherds. We should emulate that response for ourselves. But we see them not only moving, not only sharing this message, but we see the shepherds begin to uh, display an incredible sense of wonder and amazement. And all the people who heard it. Not just the shepherds, but the people that they were talking to. They were astonished at what the shepherds said. But Mary, she treasured up all these words, and she was pondering them in her heart and what they might mean. The shepherds and others, even Christ's mother Mary herself, they responded to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, with just wonder, amazement. The Greek term being used here is this, is this almost straight to your, you're just, you're shaken with amazement or disturbed almost with what has happened. And yet so often we lose that sense of wonder. And I know at least for me personally, many times I, I lose that sense of wonder because I've lost my focus. Right, the gospel, it, it should change our thoughts. It should change our focus. And in doing so, it will produce wonder in our lives. And yet, so many times, my wife and I, we, and we love listening to Christmas music. In this season, anytime, July, we love listening to Christmas music. 
And having a child in the home now, as, as our daughter's getting older and she's starting to like hear words and understand things, I, I am hyper aware of just a kind of reality of who I am. Uh, the fact that I sort of default, my natural movement in, in what to put on and what music to hear is, is I will just sort of naturally turn on uh, the greatest Christmas album of all time in Sings Home for the Holidays <laughs> or for Christmas. Oh. In fact, we're going to listen to it in its entirety uh, right now. So no, but we... I, this is what I'm going to put on. Like, this is what my wife and I, man, we're just, we're jamming. We're waiting for track three. That's the Merry Christmas. It's so good. It's so good. But I've realized in having a daughter who's like hearing the things and we're trying to like tell her and we got a special book to, to explain the Christmas story to her. I'm realizing, wow, I, I, I really like Christmas music, but it's not actually pointing towards Christ at all. I mean, this is a great album, but... There's not a lot of Jesus. There's only five guys. There's no room for a six. Like, that's it. And, and suddenly I realize, man, a lot of times I get distracted in this season. The, the reality is that a lot of us, we get distracted in this season when we begin to see just the cultural aspects of Christmas rather than the religious. In fact, Pew Research, they conducted a study three years ago in 2013, and, and they were asking people in America, adults in America, how many of them celebrated Christmas and then kind of what they thought about it. They found that 92% of Americans celebrate Christmas. It's pretty impressive. 92% of Americans celebrate Christmas. And, and out of that 92%, they were asking them, well, do you see it? Do you celebrate it as a, a religious holiday or, or more of just sort of a cultural holiday? And what they found was that people that were 65 and older, 66% of them, two-thirds of them, said, yeah, I, I celebrate Christmas as a religious observance, as a religious holiday. And yet when they looked earlier, as they were talking to 18 to 29-year-olds, what they were discovering is that uh, it was only, uh, it had fallen. It's like 39%. Seeing Christmas as a religious holiday. And the vast majority were saying, yeah, it's, it's sort of a cultural thing that I'm a part of. And we get distracted. Our world is distracted. Because there's a lot of fun stuff, man, to, to, to look towards and to, to move towards and to be excited by. In fact, in that same study, when they were asking people, what are, what are you most excited about? What are you most pumped for when it comes to the Christmas season? They found that 70% of people were excited for time off. To be with friends, with family, but for just a break. And then 11% were excited for the religious reflection. And now, is time off bad? Of course not. Like, are friends and family a worthwhile endeavor? Should we be interested and involved in the lives of people around us? Absolutely. But our ultimate focus, the point of this time, the central focal point of this season is not to be with people. It's to reflect on the fact that there was one person who was God, who took on humanity, to live and die and rise again for us. And so often we lose sight of that. So often we get pulled in other directions. So my question is, is what is our focus? Tonight? This week? 
What's our focus? What, what's consistently on our minds right now? Is it on rest or family or friends? Or, or is it on that final that we've got tomorrow? And now that I said it, you're like, oh, yes, like you kind of put it away. <laughs> what's occupying our thoughts? What's occupying our minds? What's been the theme of our Advent season thus far? Is it Jesus Christ? Is it what he's done? Are we focused on what he's done? Because if we were, I'll tell you, we'd be amazed at what God has accomplished. And maybe you're thinking, I I don't know how to get there. I'm kind of out of practice, or I am kind of getting pulled in these other directions. I'm not really sure how to reorient. And and there's a lot of opportunities, but but one I would give you, one I would put forward is an incredible uh, opportunity that was created uh, by actually someone in our midst, Rick Larson, you might know him. uh, But he has put together uh, a presentation on the Star of Bethlehem. It's an incredible just sort of story. It's an incredible uh, research project that he's put together in, in movie form you can find online. It's an hour. And I'll tell you, every time I've seen it, my wife and I, we have a copy, and every time that I see this, it it gives me a renewed sense of wonder and amazement at what God has done, at the way that even the heavens themselves point to the birth of Jesus Christ. Don't lose that wonder. Take time to focus. Be like Mary, who just even takes time to, to silently pull away and just, just think and reflect. Away from the hubbub, away from the madness. Spend time reflecting on what God has done and what he's told us. I'll tell you, as we do those things, as we're moving and as we are sharing this message and as we're beginning to wonder and be amazed at what God has done in our midst, what it does is it leads us to a natural point of worship. We see the shepherds returning to their fields. In other words, this is an idea they're returning to their daily lives and they're glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and everything was just as they had been told. The shepherds in their response to the gospel, found themselves glorifying the Lord, worshiping God, exalting his name, praising him for what he had done, for what they had been told, for what they had seen. The Lord used the gospel to to change their attitudes and, and their actions, not just in the moment, not just as they're standing there at the manger looking at this baby, but when they leave, when they go back to work, when they go back to their responsibilities, because I mean, they were moving in a way that a lot of us are going to move. They were going places that a lot of us are about to go. Some of us are students that are going away for a month. Some of us are, are, are staying here. Some of us are just going away for a time to see family. Man, some of us are having people come in. But the reality is that we're all moving, in a sense, towards everyday life. We still got a few weeks left. We, got, we still have some, some calendar appointments to keep. We still got some responsibilities to kind of check off. And it's so easy for us to move into those things, to move into Monday morning and stop worshiping. It's so easy for me coming to work at a church on Monday morning with a heart that is not worshiping, with a mind that is tired or a heart that feels drained, with frustrations that pile up, 
either with work or relationships or family or frustrations or uncertainty about the future. Man, it's so easy for us to hear the incredible good news of Jesus Christ and yet almost forget it when we go into our daily lives. And yet the shepherds, I mean, they were there. They were heading back into difficulties at work, into frustrations with their family, into sickness and uncertainty and even death. But those shepherds continued to praise and worship God in response to the good news of Jesus Christ. So how are we worshiping? How are we moving forward, exalting the Lord, praising him, thanking him? What's our attitude towards the Lord in this season? Are we frustrated about the things that we wish we had the opportunities that we wish we could, we could take advantage of? Or, or are we thankful for what he's provided? What are our attitudes towards other people while we're interacting with those family members that we don't generally see? With those coworkers that we can't wait to leave? How are we interacting and, and, and dealing with these other people in our lives? In light of the gospel, in light of the good news that Jesus Christ came, lived, died, rose, and is coming again, in light of that news, we should be worshiping the Lord. We should be glorifying with our speech, with our actions. So let's go to him right now and thank him for what he's done. Lord, we thank you that you have provided, Lord, the most incredible hope imaginable. The God, you have shown us that you are a God who loves us. Lord, you've proven that you're not just some distant, unknowable God, that you're, just, you're not some uh, mystical figure who, who created the world and then left it to its own devices, but that, Lord, you are a God who is intimately involved with the everyday affairs of our lives. You are a God who knows the number of hairs on our head, God, because you love us and you loved us so much that, God, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to be the sacrifice for our sins. God, we thank you that you loved us so much that while we were still sinners in open rebellion against you, God, you sent Jesus Christ to die for us. That we would no longer have to be children of wrath, but that we might become children of yours. That, God, we would be adopted into your family. God, we thank you for that. In fact, take a moment right now and just speak to the Lord. Thank him for what he's done. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, take a moment and just praise the Lord. Thank him that you're reminded of that incredible sacrifice, of that incredible gift of grace that you did not earn and it has been given to you anyway. Thank, thank the Lord in this moment for that. If you've not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've not trusted in him, just take a moment and call out to God and ask him that he would provide opportunity to hear more, that you would be able to have conversations with his people that you would have opportunities to read in his word, that you might better understand this gospel that this guy on stage keeps talking about. Take a moment right now and go before the Lord with those requests. God, we are coming from a lot of different directions. And Lord, we're headed towards a lot of different places.
But God, we trust that you know our steps. The Lord, you've laid the path out before us. So God, we ask that your spirit would be working in us and through us. The Lord, that we wouldn't try to go out and, and be worshipful and wondrous and, and that we would be uh, moving and, and sharing a message, Lord, of our own power. But Lord, we ask that you would be strengthening us in that. That Lord, your Holy Spirit that resides within and dwells every believer, that God, he would be at work. That we would just be your vessels, Lord, your witnesses. God, your instruments to be used. So God, send us out of this place as people who are ready to proclaim a message of good news that Jesus Christ has come. God, thank you for tonight. Lord, we pray these things in your will. Amen. All right, well, we love you guys. We'll see you next week in the morning. Back to normal.